0: Georgia's DBHDD has an urgent health warning. One of every 10 counterfeit pills contain fentanyl, a powerful and very deadly drug. Pills from friends or dealers are unsafe, and one pill can cause an overdose. More info at opioidresponse.info. Time for another Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. As always, I'm very glad you're all with us for our show today, April 7th. 2021. Um, Before we introduce the panel and get started on today's topics, I just very briefly want to thank uh, so many of you who connected with me one way or the other through email. And by the way, I always welcome, (laughs) excuse me, emails, bnigut, B-N-I-G-U-T, at gpb.org, or through our Twitter account, PoliticsGPB, Facebook, whatever. And many of you really appreciate the fact that we spent yesterday's show breaking down the um, highlights of the election law and trying to uh, give you a pretty clear picture of what the law will do, but on the other hand will not do to change how Georgians vote, how votes are processed, who's in control of elections. And um, it's the sort of thing that we really feel is is well-suited for Political Rewind. So I'm very grateful to all of you who contacted me to say it helped you understand aspects of the law better. And given that it was a 98-page document, there's no way we could address each and every uh, aspect of the law. But we did our best to break down the major points, and we'll continue to talk about the uh, many aspects of the law in the weeks and months ahead. All that said, the election law continues to be the dominant political story here in Georgia and across the country. And so we're gonna start the show talking about it with our panel. I'm very happy that it's Wednesday because it means that my AJC partner on this show is Greg Bluestein, one of the hardest working political reporters I have ever known in my many, many years covering politics. Hey, Greg, how are you?
1: Good morning, how are you? I'm great.
0: Uh, how you're uh, we should remind people because I know they've heard this on the show you're in the middle of writing your book about the 2022 election a uh, 2020 election how's that coming not
1: 2022 yet uh that's next yeah. <laughs> um it's I'm sending in my second section so about 200 pages overall into the editor um hopefully tomorrow
0: well congratulations on that we're excited for you and look forward to the day when it will be published and we'll be able so to do talk I. about it I'll bet you do. Kyle Hayes is back with us today. Kyle, of course, is uh, the man behind Peach Pod, which, um, if you haven't listened to it yet, it's a terrific podcast about Georgia politics. Um, Kyle grew up in Georgia, went to the University of Georgia, um, now works for a uh, public policy uh, think tank uh, based out of Washington, but Kyle, you continue to be very involved in looking at georgia politics how are you doing
2: i'm doing good yeah i can't leave georgia behind and uh, it's great to be back with y'all
0: um you said before the show went on the air you're starting work on a podcast in which you're going to try to sum up the uh legislative session and the important things that came out of it right
2: yeah, we uh, waited a little bit for some of the dust to settle on, on the final issues that got debated, and we're going to talk about some of that news today on your show, and we'll break, in, break it down more
0: uh, on PeachPod later this week. Okay, so you all might want to check out PeachPod. It's, uh, it's really worth your while. One of the people that uh, Kyle has interviewed more than once for PeachPod, Nabila Islam, is with us today as well. Nabila was a candidate for the Democratic nomination for Congress up in the Seventh District, and is working as a Democratic uh, strategist. Uh, Nabila, how's life for you right now? You're you're working right now on issues related to voter turnout, making sure that 2022 works well, right? In terms of you're getting Democrats out to the polls.
3: Correct. Um, my organization, Turnout Democrats, uh, will be helping with those efforts, and um, it's great to be back. And uh, I appreciate you uh, having me back on.
0: Sure. We're very happy to also welcome Megan Hansen uh, to Political Rewind. Megan, former state representative from Brookhaven and, uh, and is now um, has been and is working as an attorney. And um, Megan, you work with a, 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 an organization that looks at the law and public policy from a more conservative point of view, I think is fair to say, right?
3: Um, I would say it's nonpartisan, to be correct. Um, It is a a tort reform group, lawsuit reform, to make sure that uh, we don't see just exorbitant amounts of uh, frivolous lawsuits here in Georgia.
0: Okay, well, thank you so much for being with us today, Megan. We're glad to have you join us. Greg Blustein, uh, the latest news in terms of the the All-Star baseball game, which really (laughs) was a turning point, I think, in terms of uh, uh, people's uh, really looking carefully at how businesses out there were going to deal with uh, the uh, Georgia election law, they've now announced Coors Field in Denver will be the site of the game. And um, whether it was intentional or not, we know that Colorado has a has some election laws that make it particularly easy for people to vote by mail. And and so. We're speculating, but we might imagine that Major League Baseball realized that when they chose Denver as the site.
1: Yeah, that's a good that that is a good speculation. And and there's other reasons too. I mean, Denver had already been in the hunt for an all-star game, had already prepared plans for to to, to recruit an all-star game uh, next year or the year after. So there's already at least a process in place there. But of course too, the symbolic a uh, switch to a state that has much more expansive mail-in voting regulations, um, I, I think was probably a symbolic uh, message as well to Georgia.
0: So I want to go around and ask you all a, a very basic question. And Kyle, um, I'll start with you and then go uh, Kyle, Megan, and then Nabila. Um, Kyle, how significant from either, and we're going to talk about the business aspect of, of the All-Star game being moved, but how significant is this loss to Georgia? Is it important from a business point of view? Is it important more uh, for uh, the optics of this rebuke of the state's election law? How do you view the all-star game now being played in Denver?
2: I think it's significant from a politically symbolic perspective, and I'm actually seeing a lot of um, calls back to the North Carolina governor's race in 2016, when they had a bill targeting transgender people in that state, and it brought not only a lot of pushback from businesses, but it brought sports events leaving the state for other places. Baseball, obviously, one of you know the the prized sports possessions of of Georgia fans, um, and it also it keeps this issue in the news continuously and adds yet another aspect to this criticism about a restrictive voting law. Um, and I'm a little bit unclear why uh, Governor Kemp wants to continue the focus on this issue.
0: Well, we're going to talk about that th- th- in the show today, so I'm glad you teed that up. Megan, what's interesting to me about uh, MLB's decision here is they are not exactly looked at as one of the more liberal uh, uh, organizations in, in professional sports. They They've always been Relatively conservative in and staying out of politics, the PGA has said, Professional Golf Association, we're not moving. We're going to still play our big tournament out at East Lake. So it is interesting that MLB decided to stick its uh, foot, its toe in the hot water of this election law.
3: Well, and you know, interestingly enough, I think Marco Rubio tweeted out the other day that the chairman of the MLB, who is a member at Augusta National. Uh, did not pull his membership. So I think this is all about kind of perspective and, and what the statement is that they're trying to make. Um, I actually have a couple of questions for the MLB in that, you know, is there some sort of ulterior motive here? Because not only is our Georgia businesses going to lose, you know, $100 billion is what the number that's been anticipated and, and put out there in the public, but that does not include whatever the Braves are going to lose. And, I mean, I don't know, this, you know, maybe this gets too far into the weeds, but Freddie Freeman's contract is up at the end of this year. Are, you know, were they anticipating that, or were, were the Braves anticipating that, uh, that extra funds, that extra revenue from the All-Star game to be able to sign our, one of our, our top All-Stars? Um, and, and are we going to be able to do that now in the future? So did this, what I would consider a pretty rash decision by the MLB, did they uh, just affect the the future of the Braves for the next, you know, five or so years to come?
0: Oh, oh, Nabila, Megan, clearly a Braves fan. We just got insight about her understanding of the Braves. Nabila?
3: I, look, I think it's unfortunate that Georgia loses um, any economic activity, uh, but I I understand why the MLB made this, this decision. And honestly, the Republicans brought it upon themselves. I mean, like, it backlash was to be expected. I mean, and, you, you know, you can look back on, on history and what, uh, what happened in North Carolina, as Kyle brought up, uh, with the bathroom bill. Um, a lot of folks uh, did boycott uh, the state. And so I think, um, you know, we're probably going to see more businesses. Uh, you know, I'm anticipating more businesses possibly boycotting uh, this bill and by not doing business there. And I and I think it's because of the Republican leadership and and in, in signing this uh, 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 bill into law.
0: So you know, Greg, we've we talked about this uh, on the show the other day, but it's worth bringing up again today. Um, one of the reasons that I think MLB felt it was in a tough spot here is this was the game in which they were going to uh, honor Hank Aaron, um, a longtime uh, advocate of, of you know, civil rights, racial justice. And, and so I think maybe that added layer uh, had some impact on their thinking about this, yes?
1: It did, uh, which is another reason why I think some people thought it would go to Milwaukee because Hank Aaron played in Milwaukee uh, for about as long as he played in Atlanta not longer, um, you know, right, there's, there's, there's a symbolic, uh, level to this. Also, there was a enormous, um, uh, national pressure on this event because everyone knew the masters was not going to pull out of Georgia so close to the, the event. And also the PGA has a long, long record of, of kind of staying out of these political debates. Whereas MLB's 30 billionaire owners who are mostly Republican, by the way, um, didn't really get a say in this. It was the MLB commissioner, um, that, and, you know, Look back just a few days before the decision, President Biden even opined on it and said baseball should consider moving. You had African-American and and star players um, saying uh, on the record that MLB should consider moving um, the All-Star Game. And you had the exec- head executive of the Players Union kind of opening the debate on this by saying that he was open to moving the All-Star Game. So there's a lot of pressure, not just from national political figures, but internally that I think the MLB commissioner had to deal with.
0: So, Greg, Kyle raised a good question, and while the ball's in your court, let me start with you on this. Um, Governor Kemp, like, by the way, Mitch McConnell in the U.S. Senate, have, they have decided that they're more than willing to go to war with Major League Baseball, with Delta Airlines, with the Coca-Cola Company, with UPS, with all of the uh, businesses that have criticized Uh, in no uncertain terms, this Georgia election law. And I thought Kyle asked a good question. um, What's in it for Governor Kemp to wage this battle? He was really harsh in the news conference that he gave last Saturday morning, I think, uh, in condemning uh, the companies and MLB for uh, taking the actions they did.
1: Yeah, what's in it for Governor Kemp is a chance to rally the Republican base at a moment where he needs to rally the Republican base. We've talked for months about all the problems he has with his own party's base because of former President Donald Trump's uh, pressure, uh, infatuation, obsession with Georgia's election and his view that, that Kemp didn't do enough to overturn the results in his behalf. So this is a chance to, to rally that, the same pro-Trump crowd, to get to get Republicans on the same page and to be the champion for this issue, even if it hurts him in the general election, right? Um, And we have no idea how big of an issue this will be at this time. It's a moment where Republicans are mostly on the same page, although you still have Trump is still not letting it go, and you still have Trump sending two statements out consecutively attacking this bill for being not strong enough.
0: Yeah, I mean, Brian Kemp cannot catch a break. It Can't is interesting, win. Megan. It is interesting. that This de- has seemed, we've said this on the show, that in many ways, Democrats, uh, uh, who, by the way, here in Georgia, have been sort of had mixed response. Nabila uh, is an example of this to MLB pulling out. Um, nobody's happy that, that Cobb County, the state's going to lose business. Uh, But this was, in many ways, handing Brian Kemp on a platter an opportunity to reunite the Republican base that had become so uh, disenchanted with him because he refused to support the president's claims of fraud in Georgia, right, Megan?
3: Uh, Well, there's a lot to unpack here, Bill. (laughs)
0: Sure.
3: Uh, The first thing I'll say is that if you think that, or if anybody thinks, not, not anybody here, but if anybody thinks that uh, Governor Kemp's standing up for the truth and for what is actually in the, that bill is going to rally the Republican base, well, I love that notion, that our Republican base is, is, is going to rally around truth. And, you know, quite frankly, in my opinion, this, this whole effort has been one giant fundraising ploy for Stacey Abrams. And, you know, you'll see that with the $500,000 that her new uh, Georgia voter project um, got a donation from. I mean, she's been fundraising that, from this from day one. So the only one who's really made this political has been Stacey Abrams. I mean, Brian Kemp wasn't even, it's my understanding, wasn't even a part of the negotiations of this bill. So to try and put this on him is kind of comical, to be honest, or to try and say that he's trying to do anything political with this bill when they handed it, the, the legislature gave it to him and, and the man signed it, which is his job. Nubila. Uh, I think the folks that are making this political are the black and brown working people that will be disenfranchised because of this new law. Um, I think that, you know, I I think it's really funny that the Kemp administration seems to think that MLB pulling out is going to unify the GOP base. I mean, look, uh, Brian Kemp is no one without Donald Trump. In fact, Donald Trump made Brian Kemp. And so uh, with you know, Trump coming out with his statement that this bill didn't do enough, his base is, you know, still loyal to Donald Trump. So I, I don't think it helps him. And his internal polls are showing that he's flailing right now, and I think he's just trying to fill anything at the wall and see uh, what sticks.
0: Okay, so, so wait, Kyle, I, I want to try to make sure we focus the conversation here on just uh, on the fallout to, to, this, um, to this new law and while, and while Megan um, says that she thinks that Governor Kemp is would not uh, use the um, anger that some that MLB that some businesses have uh, expressed over the law for political purposes, whether he does it intentionally or not, it did hand Republicans an opportunity to unite. And instead, uh, just let me read a Donald Trump uh, statement. Georgia's election reform law is far too weak and soft to ensure real ballot integrity. Uh, Governor Brian Kemp and Georgia Secretary of State should have eliminated no-excuse widespread mass mail-in voting, gotten rid of the dangerous, unsecured drop boxes, and he goes on and on. He says Kemp also caved to the radical left-wing's woke mob who threatened to call him racist if he got rid of weekend voting. Well, he kept it, and they still call him racist. Uh, Kyle, this does not suggest that Republicans are united in how they're dealing with all that's going on around this law.
2: Well and to me it it raises my skepticism of the continued focus on this issue and his communications efforts. Um Bill, you mentioned that he did that Saturday press conference. He also did a media blitz largely targeted at a bunch of conservative media outlets, Fox News, The Blaze, Newsmax, Eric Erickson And to me, there's an opportunity cost here of continuing to focus on this issue when you may not be able to please former President Trump and his backers, you're going to um, keep Progressives and Democrats engaged in opposition to this law, and you lose the opportunity to talk about some of the things that I would think probably Speaker Ralston would prefer Republicans talk about, like reforming citizens' arrest or using federal money to fund teacher bonuses, part of this teacher pay thing. Governor Kemp consistently talks about increasing adoption credits. When you hear Speaker Ralston talk about the success of Republicans in the state, he's often focusing on issues like those. But the oxygen is completely taken out of the room when you're focused on this very polarizing voting bill, and I think that's to Kemp's political detriment.
1: Look, uh, the the governor seems to be spoiling for this fight. Um, this this is something that look his his most immediate concern is the primary next year. Um, he's got President Trump still promising to to, to rally behind a primary opponent. Um, the general election is is more distant, so this is something that gives he and his supporters, something to latch onto. This is something you're going to continue to see him focus on. Um, He'll sign the citizens arrest overhaul. He'll sign, you know, measures that, that have more consensus that are more kind of feel good measures um, that the Democrats and Republicans can both cheer. Um, But, you know, there's a reason he's done 40 media interviews on this in the last week. This is because this is his, this is his moment right now. He's trying to maximize it. He's trying, and he's trying to, wall off any sort of attempt at a Republican primary challenge, because there's names out there. Vernon Jones is one of them. Bert Jones is another. Um, but we still, Doug Collins is talking more about running for Senate than he is for governor now. So his his chances right now, at least, um, for, for surviving a primary challenge seem to be greatly solidified and, and increased um, because of this bill right now. And who knows what will happen the next few weeks, months. Um, but right now, his standing certainly seems improved in the Republican caucus.
0: You know, you know. At the same time, Megan um, Cobb County released a statement uh, saying that they anticipate a loss of revenues of some one hundred million dollars as a result of losing the All Star Game, and and obviously we know that Cobb County has become a major, major. Uh, uh, has gone through a shift to become a Democratic county. It voted for. Uh, uh, Joe Biden in big numbers, but there, there are still questions as to whether it will necessarily remain democratic or not. And, and I, although I'm, I'm sure nobody was thinking about this in specific detail, it is sort of a, it does smart for the folks up there, again, now t- having turned more democratic, to lose this uh, major opportunity to showcase the county and to make some money.
3: Yes, I mean that absolutely is an unfortunate situation, and again, I wish the MLB had not succumbed to cancel culture. I mean, but that it is what it is, and and now we have real Georgians um, suffering, and um, you know they're they're losing lost wages and tips, and um, yeah, it's unfortunate.
0: Okay, Kyle. Um- Megan used the term cancel culture," which obviously is a um, has been introduced into our political vernacular by uh, Republicans. And uh, so let me ask you about cancel culture when it comes to the response that some Republicans have had to what's happened with the businesses that are uh, upset about the new election law. We now have members of the state legislature who have told the Coca-Cola company, we don't want your Cokes anymore. You know, Coca-Cola has been supplying legislator offices for many, many years with free Cokes for themselves, for the people who come, voters who come to talk to them, that sort of thing. And, and now we have Republicans there uh, saying, we don't want your Coca-Colas. We had David Ralston uh, very conspicuously pop open a can of Pepsi at Dye on uh, the 40th day of the uh, uh, session. Is cancel culture really, in fact, the providence of one party uh, as opposed to both?
2: I don't, yeah, I I mean, I think both parties can engage in in seeking accountability for, for things that they don't like, but I think sort of thinking beyond just the surface level stuff of whether you've got a can of coke or a can of pepsi in your hand i'm interested in some of the downstream effects of if corporate interests see particularly in a changing state like georgia that the the winds of political power may be changing how does that impact the way that they pro- approach funding campaigns which candidates that they support you know it's interesting that in the jolt uh, yesterday, there was a couple a couple of companies, I think Patagonia was one, um, that's donating money to Black Voters Matter and the New Georgia Project, funding a political issue that Stacey Abrams has organized her politics around for the last decade or so. And so beyond the symbolic stuff, I'm interested of how... Corporations approach sort of the substantive issues in politics and whether that changes who they look to support and how that changes the political makeup of our state.
0: So, Nabila, I, I'm sure Megan would, would suggest uh, that the Patagonia, which is a million dollars or more, Greg Bluestein, I think they're giving mm-hmm. to bucks. Uh, these organizations, um, w- would suggest that this is an example of. Uh, Stacey Abrams and her organizations taking advantage of the uh, controversy over the new law to raise money in Yeah,
3: I mean, I think this is an example of Republicans implementing a law that's going to um, uh, repress, uh, you know, prevent um, people from voting, and so uh, a lot of these corporations are well. Patagonia first is they're putting where their uh, money where their mouth is. And, uh, you know, supporting organizations that are directly going to combat voter suppression. And uh, I, I think that more corporations should fall in line and, um, you know, support these initiatives and cancel uh, donations, corporate PAC donations to Republicans that support uh, such bills. Uh,
0: Greg, um, Mitch McConnell, the minority leader now, of course, in the U.S. Senate, had yesterday said that uh, businesses uh, that... that either boycott Georgia or criticize or, or, or in an overt way Georgia over the new law, um, are going to face serious consequences. That was his quote. We don't exactly know what those consequences might be. But I, I think many people picked up on the fact that in criticizing them, uh, McConnell also said, uh, well, we want him to stay out of politics, but that doesn't mean we want him to stop contributing <laughs> to candidates.
1: Yeah, it's an act of hypocrisy, especially with this stance on <clears throat> Citizens United. Um, but look, we, we already know in Georgia what a, what a sample of that backlash to be, because the Georgia House, um, right before the final gavel on sine die, uh, passed a, an effort to uh, rescind a lucrative tax break for Delta. It didn't end up passing in the Senate, so it didn't become law. But... Um, you know, the, the, the leaders, legislative leaders I've talked to say that they also, just like Brian Kemp, just like Governor Kemp, felt blindsided by Delta in particular. And uh, it seems like Delta will be losing its seat at the table because, you know, you got to remember these giant companies, they might not opine on every big issue, but they have a seat at the policy discussion about taxes, about infrastructure projects, about major Georgia programs. And, uh, it just seems like in the direct aftermath that Delta and Coke will be losing um, that seat at the table in Georgia. Megan? Megan? I mean,
3: to be honest, I, I highly doubt that that's the case. But I mean, all of this goes back to the inordinate amount of pressure that Stacey Abrams and the Democrats are putting on these companies based on the lies. That are being kind of amplified everywhere from MSNBC. Wait, wait! To... I want to
0: interrupt you. I, I'm sorry. I need to interrupt you because I really—that's a strong statement. Help us understand what you believe to be uh, uh, lies about the Georgia election law. That's really an sure. important uh, uh, thing to look at.
3: Sure. The the mantra. Well, first off, the talking points never changed when the bill did change. The talking points were basically the same. That. It was restrictive, um, overly restrictive for ballot access. It was going to limit the hours that um, voters would be able to to um, go and, and uh cast their ballots, That it was going to be from seven to five. Well, it was you know it, it is seven to seven just as it is now. These the talking points from the liberals never seemed to change, based on despite the fact that the bill actually did change and it did become you know, increased amount of time to do early voting. And it actually uh, legalized the fact that there were ballot boxes, whereas before there, you know, that was not actually in the law. So it, it, in my opinion, has increased access to the ballot, not decreased access to the ballot. And I, quite frankly, never hear specifics where it has decreased access to the ballot. I just continue to hear this is an impressive bill. This is an impressive bill. And people can't have water in line which, I mean, we can talk about that,
0: too. I, I don't want to um, re-litigate the show that we did yesterday. I, I do want to uh, respond, and Greg, maybe you'll help me here. Um, in fact, the, the um, early voting, uh, I, I think it's early voting, or maybe it's just runoff voting. You'll, you'll correct me, Greg. In fact, the new law does say that polling places can be open from 7 until five. But at the discretion of a given county, they can extend those hours beyond the normal. Or actually, it says nine to five, the workday. It says nine. Uh, to but five. that a given county, but a given county can extend. So, it, the bill, the law does allow for a county that wants to to shorten the the amount of time that a person can vote. I just I just want to make sure that we're talking about um, what the law actually does but i would certainly say megan you make a point when you say things like um no excuse absentee voting great pulled out of the bill and and some people have continued to uh, condemn the legislation because they think perhaps it's still in there or that it underlay what the uh, motives were of the people um but but there are things about the bill that i think um we do have to talk about in terms of where it does and doesn't restrict voting greg we got to get to it. Yeah, right? and,
1: yeah, and real quick, this is what Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan says about when he says Republicans fell into the trap on this because when when this Georgia Senate passed a much more restrict, even more restrictive, uh, election law that that would have uh, severely limited who could who could vote by mail and restricted some weekend voting, uh, that has been conflated in the minds of many with what this bill does, and there's still there's still a number of restrictions. Period, point blank. Um, but it does not go as far as. Uh, as that earlier version
0: did. All right, I, I know, Nabila, you wanna weigh in, but I'm so late for a break, let me get to it. We'll come back with more on Political Rewind. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPRs through LINE wherever you get your podcasts. Greg Bluestein, Megan Hansen, Nabila Islam, and Kyle Hayes join me on Political Rewind today. Before we go back to our conversation, a quick program note. I'm really looking forward to our show tomorrow. We're going to be talking with Heather. Uh, mcgee heather mcgee had, um is is the chair of color of change she worked for many years at um, demos uh, looking at um, racial justice through the lens of the economy so she's an expert on the economy and she's now written a new book called the sum of us in which she argues that um, the way we really need to address racism is not by how in fact it may disadvantage people of color but how, in fact, virtually every racist uh, policy or action, in fact, affects uh, uh, everyone, white people as well as uh, black people. So Heather McGee and Dr. Ander Gillespie will join me for that conversation. So I hope you'll uh, be with us. Nabila, I want to give you I want to move on, but I want to give you a chance because you didn't get to respond to a bunch of what was said during that last segment.
3: I did want to say that it's not—it's not unusual for corporations to weigh in on uh, voting rights legislation, or uh, voting legislation uh, that's being passed. Um, If we look back to—I wanted to bring up an uh, an example in 2006 when President Bush was passing uh, renewing the Voting Rights Act, and we had some Southern senators that were opposing. You know, corporations like Coca-Cola, Walmart, Pfizer. Uh, Walt Disney, they weighed in, so it's not unusual for corporations to say something. And so, I think what's happening now is, you know, in line with what's happened in the past. Also, uh, to touch base on what was just said previously about, you know, this, the, that there are lies around the the new law that will uh, suppress votes for Black and Brown and working people. I mean, this legislation was built on the, the lies that Donald Trump said that there that, that there was rampant fraud but we found nothing in in the Senate runoff we found nothing in the general election why is this legislation needed now when it came to absentee voting you now it's now required that you need a driver's license number and if you don't include it you risk um, getting your uh, ballot rejected uh, why are we preventing uh, counties or third, or third or different organizations from mailing out absentee ballot um, uh, forms. I mean, like we're banning counties. If, if if another pandemic happens, we have banned counties from actually mailing out absentee ballot uh, request forms to to voters. Why is that happening? Um, I mean, there's many okay. things in this in this bill that is just ridiculous.
0: We, so can I just um, add one? I, yeah, go ahead, <laughs> okay. Megan.
3: I just want to say one thing. You know, the, the the beauty of this bill is that it makes the what counties each counties do uniform. Um, DeKalb County may be able to afford something different from Darty County. It's not fair that DeKalb County could mail out ballots, whereas another county can't afford to do that. So we have to make sure that every every voter has access, the same access as other voters in other counties.
0: Okay, I, I would have – okay, I'll tell you what. I, I really, as I said, we have spent an enormous amount of time on this show breaking down this <laughs> – bill. And we've heard from Republicans and Democrats their varying points of view. I thought yesterday we tried our best to sort of say here's what is reality as opposed to the various uh, spins on, about the bill. And I really would rather not we spend the rest of the show doing that if, that's, if you'll all go with me on that today. Because Kyle, I want to go back to something you said that I thought was incredibly important. And um, you, you know, we can talk about no water at the polls, which is You know, it's a humanitarian issue, I suppose, but it certainly isn't one of the most important aspects of this. We can talk about how uh, the people like uh, the minority leader in the U.S. Senate and Governor Kemp and other Republicans are, uh, you know, arguing about not having Coca-Cola in the state capitol anymore, that sort of thing. But you said a really crucial thing in terms of this new Republican battle with businesses, and that is looking at where contributions are going from corporations to uh, candidates for office. And, of course, for decades, it, Republicans have depended on big business to help them uh, 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 raise money because they have always had an alliance.
2: And I think the first thread you saw in this was some corporations deciding to withhold donations from uh congressional lawmakers who supported not certifying the election results on January the 6th. Um, The other thing, though, that I think is at play here is Georgia is a state where three people won, three Democrats won statewide elected uh, elections in this last race. We're going to have all of our statewide elected officials up in this next race. If your corporation's thinking about how to um, cement your influence with the people who might get elected, that also might be a consideration as they consider how they direct their campaign resources. Um, and so, you know, I'm not sure that we know from the, the recent history that Republicans will lose significant corporate contributions, but I think it does open the door to uh, corporations have, casting a wider net when they seek to influence the political process.
1: Look, we talked about the rift among Republicans um, over whether or not this bill goes far enough. There's a rift among Democrats over how to respond to it because you're certainly seeing activists pushing for boycotts of companies that didn't speak out aggressively enough against this measure. And meanwhile, you're hearing from party leaders and elected officials, including from Stacey Abrams, um, kind of echoing what Kyle just said, which is calling on companies um, to speak out in different ways, whether or not it would be public statements but also withholding donations um, to republican lawmakers and groups that have either supported this measure or have echoed president trump's false former president trump's falsehoods about uh, lies about about uh, rigged elections in georgia um and elsewhere so you're seeing that rift play out and it's playing out right now as we speak because there's supposed to be faith leaders who're supposed to launch a a, a pretty significant boycott of Georgia companies um, today and they ended up delaying it for another week and they're going to be a virtual meeting with all sorts of exec- executives. Um, but the Masters in Augusta becomes the next sort of staging ground um, because that is a sporting event that is continuing to, to play out in Georgia and there'll be, there'll be protests there, uh, I think, over the weekend.
0: So, yeah, I was just going to say we do expect there will be people out front of the uh, Augusta National Golf Course um, uh, raising... Uh, <laughs> placards uh, against the Georgia voting law. We'll watch how that plays out. Um, One last point on this, and and I want to get our second break of the show out of the way uh, fairly quickly, but Megan, I do wonder, you know, we played on the show the other day uh, Governor Kemp's very strong statement pushing back um, on the companies that have uh, criticized the law in that news conference. He really did He seems to be launching a scorched earth campaign against companies that have been good to Republicans, Democrats too, I suppose, to the state, to the city, Coca-Cola, Delta Airlines. And his attacks were as harsh as they might be if he were attacking uh, the Democrats who uh, he uh, uh, uses as targets for a lot of his anger. I'm not sure I get how that benefits the Republican party in Georgia or anywhere
3: Listen governor Kemp is is standing up for what he believes is the truth he believes that the bill is a good bill that it is taking the right measures that it is expanding uh, voter access and he you know he is he is doing what he thinks is right and you know we will see how that lo- plays out um I you know, see lots of positive uh, responses from Republicans of all, um, all, all across the spectrum on my social media, and so he's, he's doing what he thinks is right.
0: Um, so, Kyle, what's your thought on that? On whether
2: this is the right move, and whether the part.
0: scorched earth sort of attack on business by a, a Republican leader in the state, it, it, w- what's the point?
2: I mean, I come back to the opportunity cost, that you're not talking about other issues that have more broad agreement and that in general, you know, you may find in the polling that voters who are more moderate that may only lean conservative or lean liberal like the the business friendly approach to policies that we've had in this state and the stability, the governing stability that's been in place across two parties since the 1990s and, and through the 2000s and We have had a different kind of politics here than in a state like Kansas or a state like North Carolina, where conservative activists have driven um, more aggressive uh, grassroots focused politics in those states. And there's been backlashes from the electorates there. It's just going to be interesting
0: to see how the electorate reacts um, here in our state. Megan, I mean, I'm sorry, Nabila, let me give you the last word before I take a break.
3: Um, you can't take the Republican Party can't take money from corporations and say it's speech, and then uh, complain when those same companies are exercising their free speech. So he's trying to cancel these corporations, these companies from speaking out, and uh, I, I, I think it's it's not going to do them any good. And you know, in their case, don't don't bite the hand that feeds you. All
0: right, um, let's take our final break of the show and come back with more on. Pol-
1: Thanks for listening to Political Rewind.
0: Hey, Greg Bluestein, um, there's an interesting uh, uh, issue that has uh, uh, got President Biden a little bit behind the eight ball uh, as it relates to uh, Georgia. And it's not one that's gotten an enormous amount of attention, but it is an interesting uh, a story about <clears throat> business, politics, and uh, how we deal with uh, uh, the businesses that want to come into the state of Georgia. So uh, very quickly. Uh, the South Korean company, SK Innovations, which makes advanced batteries for electric vehicles, wants to build a $6 billion plant in Georgia. It would employ, I didn't see the exact number, but just a couple of thousand uh, Georgia workers. 2,600 suspect, workers. Right? 2, yeah, 2,600. 2,600. The International Trade Commission, though, has ruled that SK stole trade secrets from a competitor in South Korea, and they, therefore, do not want the company to be able to build here in Georgia. And it's up to President Biden to decide whether to overrule the International Trade Commission or not, putting him in an interesting spot in a state that he, as a Democrat, won for the first time since a Democrat won in 1992. Greg?
1: Yeah, this is a tough one for for the president because if he overturns it, he can he can talk about boast about saving jobs in a state that he narrowly won, um, and and really also you know <clears throat> back up with Republican leaders here who are also hoping to save this transformative project for this part of Northeast Georgia. But but throwing this uh, this ruling out would also kind of uh, send a message to the international business community that that the U.S. is is willing to sort of flout intellectual property laws. So not an easy decision for him, but one that, that we know in Georgia, state officials and local officials are, are watching very closely because 2,600 jobs in Northeast Georgia is, is a game changer.
0: Yeah, Kyle, uh, Governor Kemp and other state leaders obviously have urged the president to uh, overrule ITC and allow this plant to be built here.
2: Yeah, and it's a particularly challenging decision, I think, specifically for Joe Biden. He was somebody who ran as a strong defender of international institutions and laws and norms that govern international affairs. But I do kind of think that those concerns are going to fall by the wayside when it comes not only to uh, saving jobs in a swing state, but also to jump-starting American investments in engineering electric batteries that are going to be important for um, transitioning the U.S. auto fleet away from, from gas engines as a part of the fight against climate change.
0: Nabila?
3: I think, you know... I think we've been so used to how the Donald Trump administration would do politics, where if you're a red state, you would get certain benefits, and if you're a blue state, you would get some things that were taken away from you. Um, I I, I don't think that we should make this into a political game. I I think, uh, you know, I trust the administration to talk to the experts, uh, but, you know, you shouldn't be making um, decisions based on what's going to be best for you in in an election. You should do what's best for the American people.
0: So I wonder uh, about that, um, th- that way of framing it, Megan. I mean, after all, this is an issue of jobs on one hand and the protection of uh, intellectual property on the other. So it, it, it really is a, a, a tough decision that I, I, I'm not sure I would quite agree with Nebula's characterization of it.
3: Um, Well, actually, I was going to compliment Nabila, and she's 100 percent right. This should not be a political game. In fact, (laughs) this is is one example of where President Trump's America First policy has benefited all Americans. This should be an absolute no-brainer. This is a $2.6 billion plant here in Georgia with 2,600 jobs. And until the ITC wants to systematically enforce these trademark issues to all countries, like China, then why would uh, the united states be the only one who has to adhere to these uh, international standards
0: okay but nabila as kyle pointed out president biden in in a direct rebuke of donald trump's administration has said, said repeatedly he would honor international treaties he believed the united states need to be part of a global uh, economy, a global society, and so this does sort of put him in a difficult position, Nabila.
3: I, I can, I, I see the way that you're explaining it. Yes, I, I, I can see that. If he made a decision based on, um, you know, uh, electoral wins, then okay, I, I can see him um, have having this weigh on him. But again, I think he should. Have integrity to what he said, and uh, and then just rely on the experts of his team to guide him on what's the best course.
0: Okay, I want, okay, uh, we'll watch how that plays out. I, I did want to give it a little time because it's been a big, big, pretty big issue for for the uh, people in the northeast Georgia who want this plant up there. Greg, uh, with the little time we have remaining, Georgia congressional Democrats are now urging President Biden to. Permanently do away with the uh, Medicaid waiver that Governor Kemp got from the Trump administration, uh, which would in, es- essentially put a worker service requirement in place for uh, Medicaid. It would kind of, it would expand the number of people eligible for Medicaid by a very small number, fifty thousand or so. Uh, but the Biden administration has put it on hold, and uh, now the congressional Democrats are saying, "Don't bring it back, Greg." Right?
1: Yeah, I remember, this is the waiver that the Trump administration approved in November of of last year. So right before his term expired, it it got approval. It was almost immediately put indefinitely on hold. And what congressional Democrats say is, look, you know, in in part of the stimulus uh, relief plan that passed was also a billion-dollar-plus sweetener. Uh, I think it was $2 billion overall was put in there uh, to encourage Georgia and other states that have not yet expanded Medicaid uh, to pay the entire price of that expansion um, for the first few years. So they're encouraging Georgia to go ahead with it. We saw a vote in the House. It's sort of a test vote on expanding Medicaid and, of course, uh, failed along party lines. So there's still some deep opposition among Republicans. But you're still seeing a, a slight increase, a slight momentum for Republicans who say uh, it's time to at least address this issue and and get the cost savings overall that they, at least the foreigners think that they're gonna get by expanding Medicaid.
0: Megan, there are few issues upon which Republicans have found that kind of a hill to die on uh, here in Georgia that are more significant to them, I think, than not expanding Medicaid to all Georgians, their argument being, in the long run, while the feds are paying for it now, in the long run, we'd end up having to pick up the bill and it's just too much money. Yeah?
3: Listen, the merits of Medicaid expansion aside, what what is the bigger issue to me is that this is just another example of big government and federal overreach into Georgia, telling Georgia what we can and can't do and how we want to do it. And I mean, it started with HR1, with the sweeping federal legislation uh, election overhaul. Then it continued with the COVID relief bill when the federal government told Georgia that we could not pass along tax relief to our citizens. And now we have the federal government telling Georgia that we're gonna have to uh, potentially expand Medicaid. I mean, this is, this is just okay. um, continued overreach.
0: Okay, uh, I I do. We're only we're down about the last minutes. I do want to point out that the feds have said that Georgia, in fact, can go ahead with their tax relief uh, plan, which is one of the reasons that it it came out of the legislature. But but it's true that the covid relief bill was putting restrictions in place for uh, states around the country on on tax breaks. Nabil, I'm going to give you we're really short on time, but I want to give you just a second on this.
3: Sure. I think we should just stop playing politics with people's lives and give everyone healthcare. Healthcare is a human right, and right now Georgians are currently dying and not seeking care because they can't afford care. Uh, I think that's the real like tragedy here, and that we should go ahead and expand Medicaid. Uh, Kemp's current plan literally costs more and covers less people. It makes no sense. Uh, we need to just go ahead and take advantage of of what's being given to us and expand Medicaid, and which would cover about five hundred thousand Georgians.
0: All right. Nabila, you get the last word on today's uh, political rewind. Greg Bluestein, thank you for being uh, with me. Nabila Isla, Megan Hanson, and Kyle Hayes. One quick note I want to mention: you are, uh, on average, the youngest panel that we have had on this show, I think, ever. And we love that. We love hearing voices of younger Georgians, Georgia leaders, talking about politics. So thank you very much for being part of the show. Uh, We're back tomorrow with Heather McGee of Color of Change, her book, The Sum of Us, How Racism Really Hurts All of Us in the Long Run, economically as well as socially. Uh, Until then, I'm Bill Nygut. Take care, stay healthy, of course continue wearing your mask, and get a a vaccine for COVID if you haven't done it so far. Take care, everybody.